Hello and welcome to Everyday Medicine. I'm Dr. Luke and I'll be sharing conversations with colleagues exploring their special interests in medicine and bringing insights, ideas and advice for your medical practice. In this podcast, we'll be discussing chronic pain management. Chronic pain is a common problem affecting about one in five people in Australia. It's one of the most common reasons for people to see their doctor and may manifest as neck and back pain, joint pains, headache or abdominal pain. It may lead to chronic tiredness, insomnia, depression, and other mood changes, as well as reduced libido, loss of income, and despair. There are many approaches to management reaching across emotional and psychological support, physical therapies, including stretching and massage, pharmacological approaches that sadly may be associated with dependency, as well as a new range of treatments focusing on nerve blocks and spinal cord stimulation, utilizing our knowledge of the gait theory of pain. To explore some of these, ideas. Please welcome anaesthetist and pain management expert, Dr. Stephen Nutter. Now, Steve, thank you very much for joining me. It's very nice of you to come tonight. By the way, there's a single malt whiskey there for you, the Glen Morangi. Please have a little sip on that, Steve, before we get started. When I was in, um, when I was in uh, Scotland, uh, my consultant there was... Um, very favourite. This is his favourite whiskey. He was very fond of it. So um, I try and stock Glenmorangie in our office all the time. Very glad to be uh, sharing it with you because you're one of my mates and you're a very good anaesthetist. But uh, we're really here to talk about pain management, which is where you've kind of um, segued into with your illustrious career, Stephen. Um, tell me, how did you get here? You know, what you're, you were. Tell me about your, your training, your schooling. Mm -hmm. well, how did you get here? I know that you've got a fellowship in. Uh, a you're, you're obviously you're an anaesthetist, of very high esteem, very well respected by your colleagues, and you also have the first part in surgery. Uh, but t tell us about this. T take us through your. Th thank you very much, Luke, for <laughs> having me here tonight. It's an awesome experience, and, and the whiskey is um, magnificent. It's not should bad. I say? Um, I'd, I'd like to say that uh, uh, we both went to the University of Tasmania, and that's been a, a, a huge honour to work with you um, in my role as an anaesthetist. Um, so. You've asked me how I ended up in pain management, um, and I guess it's, it's a long story. I've, I finished university uh, in Tasmania in uh, Hobart, and I completed my intern year there. Um, my father was in Hobart with me, and he was an electrical engineer working for the Hydro at the time, and he became unwell. And uh, I was always uh, perplexed that he kept working and... Uh, even when he was very un unwell and uh, uh, perhaps didn't explore life um, uh, to the extent that he should have. So mm -hmm. this, this sort of motivated me to maybe travel, uh, experience yes. uh, new things. Yes. So shortly after my intern year, I, I travelled to Queensland. Uh, yes, I, the sunshine. I, I, I a, Lots of distractions I've there, I've met a number of uh, interesting people, uh, some... Uh, some females that uh, led me to various parts of the world and into various different jobs. Yes. Uh, long and short of it is that I came back to Melbourne eventually and and, uh, and trained at the Alfred in anaesthetics. Yeah. Uh, and I, I completed at the same time a, a dual fellowship in, in emergency medicine. Mm. So for approximately 10 years I was working in private practice and, and obviously with you and uh, doing some very busy endoscopy lists. Uh, I, I, during, you know, one of those endoscopy lists, I noticed down at St John and God, uh, John Monagall in, in another theatre, in fact, the next door theatre, over a period of time. And I was thinking, oh, John's an anaesthetist, you know, 
He's doing some interesting stuff in there. What's he What's he doing? He's, uh, well, none of us know what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> we still don't know. It's a but black box in that theatre, Steve. He's uh, putting in spinal cord stimulators. That, that looks pretty cool. I, I want to learn more about that. Yes. Um, and, you know, I guess I'd reached that point in anaesthetics where I think I'd reached a pretty high level. Yeah. But there was still something mm. that I felt was lacking uh, as a doctor. I wanted to explore and push myself further. So mm. I spoke to John and... John very kindly uh, introduced me to Paul Verrills at Metro Pain. Mm. And He's been a big mentor for you too, Absolutely. And, mm. and, and I've He'll be talking great... later on about spinal pain with us, yeah. Excellent. Yes. Um, I've had the great honour of uh, being mentored by Paul and uh, my other colleagues at Metro Pain. Mm. And I've been doing interventional pain management now for approximately two years. Yeah, well, that's, that's tremendous. So um, you know, what, what are the aspects of this work that you find rewarding compared to... Have a sip of that whiskey, Steve, for What are the aspects of this work that you find particularly rewarding? Obviously, there are aspects of uh, anaesthesia that you find rewarding, working in the endoscopy list, for example. That's got to be rewarding for you, one <laughs> oh, way or another. Yeah. But, uh, but what you're doing now in terms of pain management is very different. T- tell us, what's the, what are the rewards there for you, the, the kind of the emotional rewards that you're getting from that? Well, I think... Um, Anesthesia is, is, is a great job. Someone once said to me, when you're doing anesthesia, you, you have a good job, but you don't have a, a full career. And I sort of understand what they say in many ways because y- you, you lack that contact with the patient. Uh, you lack the ability to uh, work up a problem. You just want the uh, patient to go to sleep, tra- tra- <laughs> Treat a problem and, and you, you, what you don't get is that positive reinforcement after treating someone. Uh, so I think you know, one of the most rewarding things about treating pain patients is they're difficult patients. Uh, these are patients who've often been through a number of treatments and uh, who are seeking help. And you know you don't you can't always help them, but when you do, they're very grateful. Mm. Okay, oh, that, I agree with that. And we've referred many patients to you. I'd like to put a scenario to you and just sort of ask how you would approach this, how you'd work this case up. So suppose I have a, a middle-aged man with abdominal pain. And I've done everything I can to sort this guy out from my, uh, my end. I've done a gastroscopy and a colonoscopy. I've done CT scanning and abdominal ultrasonography. I've uh, done a whole range of blood workup. I've asked surgical people to have a look in. Basically, I've done everything that I think I can to exclude a, a true organic diagnosis. Uh, I've done everything I can to exclude referred pain. I've done everything I, I can to, to exclude anything that's serious. And I've got to that point where Maybe I've given them anti-spasmodic agents, I've fiddled with their diet, I've tried a low FODMAP diet, I've perhaps given them some simple uh, analgesics, but I've really got to the point where I feel I need to call in the specialist. That's you. I'm referring them to you, Steve. Well, That's you. the patient you've got. What are you going to do? Thank you, Luke. Um, the, 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 the basis of all our assessments is a comprehensive biopsychosocial uh, uh, multimodal approach. So we'd assess the patient. Uh, as usual, we're trying to exclude any red flags, but we obviously defer to your expert opinion uh, and that there's no organic pathology. The, the next approach is to make sure that conventional man- medical management is maximised. So that includes uh, physical therapies, psychotherapies, uh, and uh, pharma- pharmaceutical approaches. Um, my interest, however, is interventional approaches because, and this is the beauty of interventional pain management, Mm. because it's logical to me that if you can find a pain generator and you can switch it off, 
then you can have to you can minimise other uh, approaches, particularly pharmaceutical agents, which are, are fraught with uh, side effects and problems. So uh, our goal with abdominal pain would be to try and determine whether it's a abdominal wall problem or a visceral problem. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a, a number of uh, algorithms for this, but and the treatment depending on that is uh, 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 dependent on whether it's abdominal wall or not, and and that may range from uh, splanchnic nerve blocks. Uh, splanchnic nerve pulsed RF or thermal RF uh, through to neuromodulation, either peripheral field stimulation or uh, dorsal column traditional spinal cord stimulation. And, and there's some new technology and, and there's some good emerging ev evidence, particularly from America with Capurel, et cetera, uh, who uh, have, have demonstrated some great outcomes with neuromodulation for visceral abdominal pain. Gosh, it sounds complicated, Steve. RF being uh, radio frequency ablation we're talking about. Is it difficult to do a splanchnic block? Is it dangerous? Are you likely to p puncture the aorta and find yourself in court? Well, well we, do, we do all our procedures uh, under real-time uh, fluoroscopic guidance and uh, actually a, a, a T11 splanchnic block's not all that difficult a procedure and it's, it's, uh, it's a safe procedure. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've done these procedures frequently and, uh, yes. and the outcomes are, are interesting. Yes. How do you manage the patient that perhaps is, how would I say, somewhat interested in opiate analgesics? And you're trying to get that patient away from the opiate analgesic. Um, I don't want to call it an addiction, but the dependency. How, how do you help that patient? Because that's a difficult approach, and I think a lot of general practitioners particularly are are probably faced with that. And, you know, they just, it's just difficult in, in primary practice to manage those cases, which is why it's great to have you there. But how would you help that patient? I think that's a, a difficult problem with, uh, with pain patients in general. And uh, you, you need to get the patient to buy in. Uh, and, and that comes back to a, getting the trust of the patient, listening yes. to the patient, getting rapport with the patient, uh, and having an ongoing relationship with you know, both the referring doctor and the patient, and perhaps their family, uh, they need a lot of support. Uh, we'd call in our pain psychology team mm. to assist, um, and uh, we're just talking through it. But ultimately, you know, the patient has to buy in. So, w when do you think a general practitioner should refer to you? What, w what would be your advice? Suppose you're giving a talk to general practitioners, and they said, "Well, okay, well, you know, we're managing some of these things in primary practice, but obviously, there's some are complicated." W when would be a good kind of point for them to refer to you or another pain management? Group. Well, I think. I think. I didn't mean um, that. Not another pain management group. I mean your pain management <laughs> edit, group. Edit that out. Um, <laughs> Sent straight to Metro. Uh, the uh, obviously, if they've attempted um, or, or started treatment uh, for a period of time, uh, excluded any significant pathologies, uh, uh, had the appropriate with the scans, help of a gastroenterologist. With yes. the help of a gastroenterologist. Of course. Um, yes. uh, appropriate scans and and. And given it a reasonable period of time, but they're not winning. So we're, yeah. you know, we're talking chronic pains is three months to six months plus. Yes. Uh, yes. So obviously, with the experience in America, you don't want to be going down the strong opiate pathway if you can possibly avoid it yeah. uh, for yeah. non-cancer pain. So if yes. you're finding yourself reaching for strong opiates, then uh, perhaps think: look, there's there's a service out there which can help in this regard, mm. uh, and and it seems logical to me and. Um, and certainly, from what I've seen, the, the outcomes can be very, very good for simple yes. techniques like radio frequency yes. uh, to, to really help people. So don't hesitate to send people to us if you're starting to escalate. 
um, uh, patients just aren't getting better in three to six months' yes. time. I think it's helpful for patients to know also that there is an alternative service available. You know, there's hope. There's hope for them. And that's, that's a very important part of treatment sometimes, just being able to give patients some hope. What would be helpful for a general practitioner in terms of their workup? And what do you want before the GP sends patients in? Uh, are there some special tests that would help you with your Well, I think, I mean, and you'll be speaking to Paul about this, but uh, obviously for spinal pain, the, the, uh, the gold standard is, is an MRI scan over a CT scan. Uh, MRI scanning for low back pain is, is obviously going to show you the discs, the soft yeah. tissues, the, the spinal canal, uh, the foramen, uh, in much better detail than a CT scan. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about for abdominal, for abdominal sort of uh, pain syndromes? Well, is it something? Well, my, most of the patients would have come by yourself, so okay. you, you've uh, excluded this. But uh, I think um, you know routine blood tests. Uh, full blood count, liver function, um, and uh, a CT scan would be a minimum. Steve, I think you've really already touched on this, but I'm going to ask you it again. Uh, the, the three, if I was to say to you, what are the three most important things for a patient to take home? After they've seen you in your rooms, they've come in, they're impressed, they recognise now there's a strategy uh, that's going to help them, but what are the three things you want to really impress upon them, certainly early on? First of all, uh, they often just want to be listened to. They, yes. They've been to a lot of different places. Yes. Uh, perhaps uh, people have given up on them. Yes. They need to be listened to. Um, that's the first big thing. And they need to have a, uh, a realistic uh, view of the possible outcomes. Yes. Um, and get some hope from that. Yes. Okay. In a realistic framework. Yes. You're, you're going to take them from a place of darkness to a place of light, Stephen. That's the aim. <laughs> That's really nice. Now, Steve, I know this is difficult, isn't it, being, being a pain management specialist, you're dealing with patients who have got, well, lo lots of issues. Sometimes, and when you work with people like me, you definitely need a break. You sometimes seek hobbies that are very interesting. I know you've climbed Mont Blanc, you've climbed Federation Peak, You've climbed, and I've forgotten the name for them, but those uh, peaks in, uh, in Scotland. Yes. Uh, whatever they're called, I don't know what the they're Cairn called. Gorms. Right, well, that sounds yep. interesting. So it sounds like there should be hobbits, up, hobbits up there, Ben Nevis. <laughs> T tell us about, about the, how, how do you prepare yourself for such uh, I don't know, you've, you're an Iron Man, you've been, you've been to uh, Port Macquarie, you killed it. Yes. Uh, t tell us about how you, how do you prepare yourself? I mean, it's all part of being, I think, strong as a doctor. You've got this sort of mental grit, toughness. But how do you prepare yourself for for these other uh, events, and do they help you come back to medicine with a little bit of freshness and uh, new approach? Well, I think uh, I mentioned earlier that my, my father was unwell when I was uh, finishing university, and, and you know I wanted to experience a lot of things, and, and some of those have been academic, and some of those have been uh, uh, from a more physical perspective, and, yes. and perhaps uh, some of those things. And I, I noticed one of your questions was uh, how has pain medicine changed your life, and, and in some ways, you know, pain medicine. Uh, has become my passion uh, over those things. I, it I, is your I life. was looking for something Steve. to fill fill a void before, yeah. um, yes. and maybe that's why I did some of these physical pursuits. Yes. Uh, and whilst I was younger, I thought, you know, I'm going to do these things mm. before I before I can't do them anymore. Um, and how do I prepare for them? Well, like any goal you set, you, you 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 don't look for the end goal. You look for the small steps that take you there. 
it's the journey, isn't it, Stephen? And I know you said to me once, uh, what would you prefer, Dr Luke, would you prefer to live as a tiger for one day or as a sheep for the rest of your life? That's a great I think one. I said, I think I said sheep, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, a um, couple of other things that I just would like to ask you. Advice for a young doctor. Take us through that. Uh, yeah, I, I know that you're looked up to now by lots of younger trainees. What, what would you say to a young doctor coming into medicine? Well, I think things have changed since I finished. I mean, when I finished, it was possible to do what I did and go travelling and try different facets of medicine and see yeah. what you like. Now, I think it's so competitive. You really have to know and set your sight on what you want to be uh, from an, uh, a very early stage. Uh, probably in med school, you need to elect mm. what you want to do uh, and start start shooting for that. Um, so I would say, you know, work out what you want to do and go for that. It's better to be, uh, you know, very very good at one thing than than perhaps uh, uh, than to um, to try and retrain at a later, later stage. That's good, Steve. That's very interesting. And one other question I have for you, which I'd like to pose, if you don't mind, before our next fill-up of Glenmorangie, is, is there a podcast you like to listen to, you know, when you're relaxing, you're driving, you're Jaguar home, or you're going off to the boat that you... I know you, you love sailing single-handed around place, around the bay and so forth. Is there a, a podcast you like to listen to, or is, is there a book that you're currently uh, really kind of inspired to, to get home and read? Interesting question. I must confess, I've never listened to an actual podcast, but uh, the last time I listened to a, uh, uh, an educational uh, CD in my car was uh, uh, my <laughs> professor, uh, Michelle Thomas, oh, yeah. Thomas uh, who's my French... Uh, <laughs> fr that's when you had the accident. Mon, mon professor. And, uh, <laughs> you yes. smashed into the car in front of Correct. you. Correct. <laughs> so I generally don't listen to educational videos. I, 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 didn't, uh, I tend not to listen to anything in the car. I have... Uh, just I think, out. I think life is so busy and so... Uh, filled with noise that I tend to have a, uh, a, a quiet zone in the car. That's your time for meditation. In my uh, comfortable car and, and I just enjoy the drive. Steve, we're going to meditate with another drink. Thank you very much for joining me and having Luke, a chat today. Thank you. It's All always right. a great pleasure. Thank, thank you. I really enjoyed that conversation with Stephen. It's most informative and he's a very genuine and lovely man. Uh, he climbed Mont Blanc a couple of years ago. No doubt he felt a fair degree of pain at the end of that. Next week, we'll be interviewing another interesting guest and reviewing a new clinical problem. Do invite you to join me again then. During the podcast series, we'll be covering a wide range of topics across many specialty interests. The discussions are not intended as specific medical advice for patients, but as general information only, and reflect the opinions of the guests interviewed. Requests for new topics to be reviewed and comments about the conversation you have listened to are welcomed and may be emailed to manager at joehealth.com.au.